These are the Get Over Yourself Podcast Sponsors. MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone naturally. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, a mind-blowing nut butter blend. Carol Fit, stationary bike, awesome eight-minute workout. Organifi, whole food organic superfood supplements and drink blends. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. Viore Clothing, fashionable, functionable, incredibly comfortable performance apparel. And please visit the bradkerns.com shop page for my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. A high-carbohydrate, high-insulin-producing diet is pro-inflammatory and creates a lot of oxidative stress in the body. This results in accelerated aging and cell damage. You gotta get up and walk and move and take regular breaks from prolonged periods of stillness. Minimize artificial light and digital stimulation after dark. Hey, Brad Kearns, Get Over Yourself podcast. It is time to discuss some quick and easy to immediately implement tips to improve your health. And we're going to start with the category of diet. Oh my gosh, there's so much content, confusion, and controversy about what is the exact best diet. Is it primal, paleo, keto, carnivore, vegan? Oh my goodness, getting so confused and frustrated. Let's start simple with the urgent priority to eliminate the toxic modern foods that are directly resulting in excess body fat and accelerated disease risk factors. I like to call these the big three. That would be sugars, grains, and refined industrial seed oils. So when you consume these sugary snacks and treats and sweetened beverages, and also the refined grain products, wheat, rice, corn, pasta, cereal, and all the foods that are made with them, you are giving yourself a lifelong pattern of carbohydrate dependency and difficulty burning stored body fat. And this leads to all variety of disease risk factors, as well as lifelong insidious weight gain. A high carbohydrate, high insulin producing diet is pro-inflammatory and creates a lot of oxidative stress in the body. This results in accelerated aging and cell damage. You're also eating foods that are devoid of nutrition and leave you in a big problem of not being able to burn stored body fat. So you're reliant upon, you're dependent upon regular feedings of this low octane food to sustain yourself through your busy day. And we can all reference those times when we've had the afternoon blues and felt tired and cranky because we missed a single meal. So what we want to do is ditch this nutrient deficient food and instead emphasize the the ancestral inspired dietary patterns, the foods that have promoted human evolution and fueled human evolution uh, for 2 million years. And the comprehensive list includes meat, fish, fowl, eggs, vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. It's pretty simple. Of course, you can have all kinds of different preferences inside that. If you choose not to eat meat, uh, myself and many other people in the ancestral health space will contend that you're making a huge mistake, but we know there's a significant movement in that area. So you can try to emphasize as much of the nutrient-dense foods as possible, hopefully being inclusive with things like eggs and fish. But overall, if we choose 
those animal foods wisely. You know I'm a big enthusiast of the carnivore-ish dietary strategy where the nutrient-dense animal foods, the most nutritious foods on earth, form the centerpiece of your diet and you have selective intake of the colorful plant foods that help with uh, recovery from exercise performance, uh, glycogen reloading, things like that. But of course, uh, keeping your overall dietary carbohydrate intake moderate so that you can become a fat burning beast and have stored body fat be your primary and preferred source of fuel. So we're ditching those sugars and grains and especially the refined industrial seed oils. These are the bottled oils such as canola, soy, corn, sunflower, safflower, and all the oils that are used in the packaged frozen processed products that you shouldn't be eating anyway. Um, these have an immediate adverse impact on your cardiovascular system and your cellular function. They create damage at the DNA level such that Dr. Kate Shanahan, author of Deep Nutrition and the Fat Burn Fix, uh, contends that consuming refined industrial seed oils is no different than eating radiation because of that immediate destruction of cellular health that these foreign agents have when you consume them. The problem with refined industrial seed oils is they confuse your body. Uh, they act like um, saturated fat that is integrated into the cellular wall and they stay in your body. They're difficult to burn for energy because they're chemically altered. Uh, that's the food processing that makes these oils uh, temperature stable and helps with shelf life with processed products. So we want to have a zero tolerance policy for any of these. So throwing away all those bottled vegetable oils, if you happen to use those for cooking and switching to temperature stable saturated fats like butter, coconut oil, uh, avocado and uh, olive oil, the monounsaturators are also better. So getting completely rid of those and also not eating any of the processed foods that contain those industrial seed oils. So then we transition over to a nutrient-dense diet featuring those primal foods. These will give you nice nourishment without spiking blood sugar and spiking insulin and making you feel tired and cranky and leading to this uh, roller coaster of carbohydrate dependency and eventually burnout. Now, the thing about ditching these toxic modern foods is you're going to have to make a sincere commitment to doing so for at least 21 days because that's how long it takes to upregulate these fat-burning genes that will allow you to feel energetic and energy-balanced, mood-balanced, able to focus and concentrate uh, for hours and hours without having to consume uh, quick doses of carbohydrates like you may have been used to for your entire life. So we really want to go for a zero-tolerance policy to ditch these toxic modern foods, eat these nutritious meals in their place. So I'm not talking about starving or fasting for long periods of time if you're not used to it. It's more like switching out your bowl of processed cereal in the morning for a nice omelet or something that's uh, nutritious, giving you the natural nutritious fats, uh, the good proteins, and minimizing those processed carbs that have so much damage, uh, wreak so much damage in the body. So if you can stick with it for 21 days, and again, if you're struggling or having energy dips, you can, of course, reach for nutritious snacks rather than sugary snacks. But you have to get through this initial phase of down-regulating the sugar-burning genes and up-regulating the fat-burning genes. Uh, when you're able to do this, uh, moderating the intake of processed carbs and uh, moderating insulin production, minimizing insulin production, you recalibrate your appetite and fat storage hormones, and then 
if you're interested in dropping excess body fat and things like that down the line, this stuff becomes efficient and natural and comfortable rather than a struggle and suffer approach that we've been so commonly trying and not succeeding long term because the body has wonderful ways of recalibrating back to uh, your baseline or your set point, even if you restrict calories. And you're going to learn a lot more about that in Mark Sisson in my upcoming book called Two Meals a Day. So that's pretty simple is ditching the junk food out of your diet. And then we'll worry about the particulars down the line if you want, but just switching over to nutrient dense foods of the earth, plants and animals at your preference. The next category, of course, is exercise and movement. And the number one priority in this category is to just move more in everyday life. That is above and more important than sticking to some gnarly fitness regimen where you're putting in a certain number of miles a week running on the roads or biking or hitting the gym uh, a certain number of days a week for those grueling hour-long classes with a personal trainer or group exercise. That stuff will build your fitness and there's definitely a place for these structured workouts. But most importantly, uh, Mark Zissen likes to call it JFW, just freaking walk more in everyday life. So the human body is meant to move throughout the day. Even brief periods of stillness can have an adverse impact on your metabolic function. Uh, being still for as little as 15 or 20 minutes can deliver a noticeable decrease in glucose tolerance and an increase in insulin resistance. In other words, if you sit still for 20 minutes, you stop burning fat efficiently and you start to uh, have diminished cognitive function, diminished energy to the point where you might be craving a sugary snack as we just talked about getting away from that in the previous uh, section. So you got to get up and walk and move and take regular breaks from prolonged periods of stillness. So it's as simple as that. And today, of course, because we have such comfortable, uh, luxurious modern life, we have to figure out ways to get up and walk more rather than being obligated to walk as we were uh, generations ago and throughout the time of human history. So whatever that takes for you, uh, getting out there at midday and walking around the office courtyard or walking around your neighborhood if you're working at home, if you have a dog, please honor your commitment as a pet owner and get that dog out for regular strolls. And of course, uh, adding to this uh, obligation here is the uh, comfortably paced uh, structured workouts. So we're talking about walking more throughout the day uh, as an accumulation of short strolls or what have you. And then of course, doing the low level cardio. And the important point there is to keep the intensity comfortable so that you're in the low stress fat burning zone. And we uh, quantify that with the Dr. Phil Maffetone formula. It's called the MAF heart rate of 180 minus your age in beats per minute. 180 minus age in beats per minute is your aerobic maximum heart rate. So you should be doing most of your cardiovascular exercise at heart rates at that level or below. So a 50-year-old 180 minus 50 has a MAF heart rate, a maximum aerobic function heart rate of 130 beats per minute. What you're probably going to find if you're not familiar with this is that that 
uh, intensity level is extremely comfortable. So if you're a seasoned jogger or you like cycling or doing group exercise classes at the gym and you were to start monitoring your heart rate, you're probably going to find that you're 10, 20, 30 beats above your math heart rate. And what you're doing there is you're exercising in a more glucose burning, glucose burning dominant state rather than trying to maximize that fat burning state and keeping the workout comfortable and contributing to your metabolic health rather than possibly compromising it when you're burning sugar at workouts, burning sugar, burning sugar, and then trying not to eat sugar in your diet, uh, it doesn't end well. And it can easily lead to breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury when you engage in this chronic pattern of workouts that are slightly too difficult. So again, if you're 10 beats above that aerobic maximum number, like the 50-year-old going out there and running it, jogging at 145 or 140, thinking it's okay because it's not super strenuous, you are having a different metabolic effect of the workout. You're burning less fat and more sugar. So the key here is frequent walking, uh, conducting properly uh, proper intensity cardiovascular sessions at 180 minus your age in beats per minute below. And also all other forms of movement can count toward this daily objective. That can even mean foam rolling is a, fo a form of movement. Uh, brief little micro workouts in your home where you're pulling stretch cords or doing uh, energetic things, even uh, energetic, explosive energetic movements, which we're going to talk about in the, uh, the next part of the exercise movement obligation. But anything where you're moving your body, uh, the formal movement practices like yoga, uh, Pilates, Tai Chi. So pretty simple. Anything that you enjoy is a great way to just get your body moving more. Uh, but of course, Beyond that objective to build your cardiovascular fitness and engage in frequent movement, we also have an obligation to put ourselves under resistance load and perform brief explosive movements from time to time. So this means uh, short, high-intensity strength training or sprinting sessions. Uh, this is something that even a lot of devoted fitness enthusiasts uh, don't do enough of. So you might see the person in there in the gym every single day, five days a week, climbing the stairs, watching the TV screen, listening to the music, whatever they're doing. They're getting their cardio hours in uh, effectively. Sometimes they're going at too high of a heart rate, but they're never putting their body under resistance load. And this is what maintains muscle mass throughout life, which is one of the key uh, factors of aging gracefully is maintaining that muscle mass so you can maintain healthy organ function throughout life. Muscle mass is directly correlated with organ function. There's a concept called organ reserve, which is the functional capacity of your organs to perform beyond baseline level. And that's directly associated with maintaining muscle mass. So we want to do these strength training efforts, whether it's your own body weight counts as strength training, right? We call them the primal essential movements. That's push-ups, pull-ups, squats, and planks, uh, working all the major muscles of the body. You can also use the home fitness contraptions. I love things like the X3 bar or the stretch cords where you're pushing against a resistant strap or a cord, or of course, uh, a weight machine or all the things that they have at your gym. Uh, the various machines, free weights, uh, Bowflex, TRX, anything that puts your body under resistance load. So that's one aspect of it. And the other one is perf to perform brief explosive sprint efforts. And the ideal uh, 
mode is to do high impact running sprints. But of course, many people uh, aren't sufficiently adapted to that yet. Maybe they have injury risks or overweight or other risk factors that make sprinting difficult. So you can start with low or no impact sprints, such as on a bicycle or on an exercise machine, uh, maybe working towards sprinting uphill, which is much less impact than sprinting on the flat. But eventually you want to work toward being able to uh, operate your body at maximum speed, flooring the gas pedal uh, while you're doing a weight-bearing activity. And this will have a fantastic effect on your ability to uh, burn excess body fat off because of the, uh, the genetic signaling that occurs when you're doing a weight-bearing maximum intensity effort. For example, just going to the local uh, park or high school and sprinting up and down the grass field for a very short duration. We're not talking about killing ourselves here and doing something that's too strenuous that's going to take a long time to recover from. We're talking about sprints lasting between 10 and 20 seconds is the sweet spot for great fitness adaptation, but not too stressful. And you know, giving it your best effort, not going beyond uh, your capabilities where you break your form or traumatize your body too much. So you know, we could call it a 95% effort under control at all times and running a succession of sprints where you rest uh, extensively between each effort so that you're not dragging your foot to the starting line for a successive effort where you're still tired and breathing hard. So you want these things to be extremely high quality. I have entire full length shows about the proper way to sprint. So generally just integrating uh, periods where you put your body under maximum effort and oh my gosh, the fitness impact, you become more competent at all lower levels of intensity by becoming competent at sprinting. And the genetic signaling of even a workout that lasts for a few minutes can last for hours and hours after and have a profound impact on your ability to drop excess body fat. Because the penalty for carrying excess body fat if you're sprinting at full speed is dramatic. And by comparison, if you're just jogging down the street for an hour or two hour or three hours carrying 15 or 20 or 30 pounds of excess body fat, it's not a huge penalty. So there's not a strong signaling effect to shed all that weight when you're just going along at a slow pace. But if you're getting good at sprinting and you're doing it uh, with devotion and regularity and consistency, you are going to find that to have an excellent impact. Uh, of course, diet being the the main catalyst, but it can be really helpful in helping you break through those plateaus and dropping those last few pounds or 10 pounds or 20 pounds of excess body fat. So we have the diet obligation to ditch the big three and start emphasizing nutrient-dense foods. The next category of exercise and movement entails JFW, finding ways to walk around more, especially taking breaks from prolonged periods of stillness and getting those structured cardiovascular workouts in there as well at the heart rate of 180 minus your age in beats per minute or below. And then we have the obligation, the absolute necessity of putting your body under resistance load and performing brief explosive efforts, both with uh, resistance, that means uh, weights or body weight resistance, as well as sprinting. Then it's time to talk about sleep, not just sleeping at night, but rest and rejuvenation. So important today. Uh, today in the age for the first time in the history of humanity of nonstop digital stimulation and distractibility and hyperconnectivity. Our brains have never been so stimulated 
ever, and it's completely foreign to our genetic expectations for health. Humans require a lot of downtime, reflective time, quiet time, and of course, the evening sleep is the most uh, prominent objective and the prominent need that we have every single night and getting your sleep habits dialed in is super important. But I also want to put a plug in for taking times to unwind and unplug during your busy day and uh, using those devices with extreme discipline and knowing how to use that off button and put that thing away and engage with uh, simple, calming, nurturing activities like socializing or spending time in nature. So the sleep objective, uh, there's so much talk about that. There's so much lip service paid to the importance of sleep. And then we tend to override it with our daily habit patterns, possibly in part due to uh, the deserved need to unwind and unplug after a busy, stressful day. Yeah, we deserve to go sit there in front of Netflix and binge through our favorite series or just uh, kind of veg out and not worry about the uh, the, the, the time passing as it's coming close to bedtime. Uh, but if you can put some uh, parameters into place where they get wired into habit, that will be really rewarding and the huge payoff will come uh, in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. So establishing a uh, devoted and strict wind down period at night where you notice the clock striking 10 p.m. or 9 p.m. or what have you, and you know that is time to shut the screens down and engage in more calming and uh, activities that promote uh, a peaceful night's sleep. So basically, in a nutshell, the objective is to minimize artificial light and digital stimulation after dark. Uh, an alignment with our circadian rhythm is such an important aspect of health. And boy, um, when we get away from it, all kinds of bad things happen. And so when the sun goes down, that's the true uh, powerful connection that humans have with circadian rhythm is the rising and setting of the sun. And so the introduction of artificial light after dark is when we've departed from our human genetic expectations for health and we're subjected to modern stressors. And so if you can find a way to uh, mellow the light source in your home, uh, the very popular uh, orange or yellow colored eyewear, the UV protected eyewear that has orange or yellow lenses so you can see clearly in, indoors, uh, but it's helping you block the harmful spectrum of light that's coming from the white light bulbs and screens. They call it blue light. Uh, those are really helpful. Switching out light bulbs to use the orange bug bulbs that you find at the home supply store or the now popular tungsten or the Edison bulbs that have the orange filament visible inside the glass, kind of the old school light bulbs instead of the bright light glowing from the other uh, more modern types of light bulbs, switching those things out, mellowing the light sources in your home. I love the Himalayan salt lamps that give off that orange hue, which is far less offensive to your melatonin cycling and your sleep processes than the white light. So kind of mellowing out your house and then getting your screen use uh, done in the early part of the night and devoting the latter part of the evening to activities that help you unwind and mellow out away from a screen. It could be writing in your journal, it could be socializing, playing a game of cards, uh, perhaps reading a book in bed with a, a small light source like one of those miner's lamps that you strap around your head, just trying to get away from that bright light and high stimulatory activities uh, as you uh, wind down and get close to your bedtime. And of course, getting the adequate hours of sleep. Uh, people are always... Uh, 
tossing around numbers like uh, seven hours is the minimum you need or eight hours is the ideal. And I think that it's more individualized than that. I know that my sleep requirements change uh, by order of one and a half to two hours uh, by the amount of exercise I'm doing. So I'm finding if I've uh, done some pretty hard stuff uh, on the heels of my evening sleep, I might need to be in there for nine hours or a little more than nine hours just to feel refreshed and rejuvenated in the morning because I'm pushing my body hard with uh, hard workouts. And then other times when uh, I'm not under a lot of physical stress, uh, I can get Uh, awakened and refreshed with seven and a half hours instead of nine and a half hours. So uh, getting enough sleep that you wake up near sunrise feeling refreshed and energized. Ah, what a dream that is. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible. And it should be your expectation. So if you have a hard time waking up, you're feeling drag ass in the morning, you have to hit the snooze alarm, your first hour is unproductive and filled with uh, caffeinated beverages just to get the machine going. Take a look at your nighttime habits, scrutinize those a little more carefully and find ways to uh, mellow things out and get to bed on time instead of choosing uh, more and more digital entertainment, okay? And that will, uh, that will really help. And I said near sunrise, because if you awaken near sunrise and then make a point to expose your eyeballs to direct sunlight, getting outdoors, leashing up that dog, taking the dog for a walk around the block, whatever it takes, even if it's cold out there, a little cold exposure is good for a little hormonal boost to get you feeling awakened and energized. I'm a huge proponent of a morning flexibility mobility routine that I have published on YouTube and refined over the years. And I'm so excited about it. It's such a great part of my life to say that every single day, the first thing I do when I get out of bed is I head straight outdoors. Yes, even if it's cold. And I commence this increasingly uh, difficult and challenging morning routine. But if you can start small and do some form of movement where you're breathing, getting the blood circulating, the oxygen flowing to your brain, uh, ideally getting outdoors and getting some sun exposure, you are going to awaken naturally and feel great. Uh, so the good night's sleep starts first thing in the morning with some sun exposure. Okay. And I guess the fourth category here, if we're talking about diet, then we have exercise movement, then we have sleep, uh, restoration and recovery, and we go down to stress management. And this is, <laughs> this is on you peoples. We have to figure out a way to manage the stress and stimulation of hectic, high stress, modern life. A lot of it can come down to our mindset and having a a more uh, mindful and I guess peaceful approach to our daily goals and obligations and responsibilities, not getting too caught up and too attached to the outcome, uh, suffering from that epidemic disease state today of FOMO, fear of missing out, comparing with others, uh, competing in the rat race, being drawn into the consumerism forces, all that kind of stuff that is uh, messing with our brains and messing with our mental health. So if you can put into practice uh, some of the great suggestions like meditation or yoga or even your exercise routines that help balance the uh, stress of interacting with uh, people and machines throughout the day, uh, putting that as a priority 
Um, there's so much talk about breathing now. I'm a big fan of cold exposure. So if you want to get into some uh, mindfulness breathing techniques, uh, my daily plunge into my chest freezer into cold Lake Tahoe, I feel like is a ritual that helps protect me from all other forms of stress and distraction in daily life. That is, it makes me more resilient and more proactive and disciplined rather than just being a victim of all the things that are thrown at me uh, from my email inbox and my text messages and whatever other forces are coming at me uh, through my busy day. And I think, um, you know, just choosing a positive attitude and a cheerful disposition and operating from a state of gratitude rather than from a state of negativity that can be, go a long way toward uh, helping you manage stress successfully. And unfortunately, I think we're programmed these days with modern media and social media and divisiveness in society. Uh, we're kind of programmed to be negative and in a state of complaining as a default rather than a state of gratitude. So if we can uh, calm down a little bit, take a few deep breaths, uh, one of the guests on my podcast, John Asaraf, best-selling author and brain expert, says just take six when you're feeling stressed before you react. Instead of reacting, uh, you take six deep breaths and then uh, respond with good intention and mindfulness, uh, and that'll keep the... Um, the arguments and the controversy and the stress down. It's just taking control of your breathing because if you can take six deep diaphragmatic breaths, right? Drawing in, inflating your stomach and breathing properly. If you can complete six of those, you will, you will that quickly change the chemical state in your cells. You will go from uh, a stressed uh, disposition to a calm disposition and, and in literal terms in the uh, the biochemistry of your cells because the fight or flight response right it happens instantly the the hair uh, stands up on the the back of your dog's neck when uh, when they encounter a bear in the woods and when you encounter the figurative uh, the, the figurative uh, predator uh, in your busy day, whether it's someone who cuts you off in traffic or a surprise interaction with a loved one or someone in the workplace where you're on stress mode, if you can just calm yourself down with those six breaths and be more, uh, take more responsibility, as Atharaf says, that's the ability to respond rather than react, you will be the person in control, the person in the driver's seat, rather than a victim of all the stressful, uh, negative producing. Uh, feedback and um, uh, inputs we get uh, throughout our day-to-day -day life. So the brief health tips. Number one, diet. Get rid of the junk, the big three, sugars, grains, and refined industrial seed oils. Number two, your objective to move throughout the day. So JSW, JFW, get out there and walk. Take frequent breaks from prolonged periods of stillness. Uh, accumulate all other forms of movement. Could be the morning flexibility mobility routine I talked about. And of course, the uh, structured cardiovascular training sessions at low heart rate, 180 minus your age in beats per minute or below, and then go out there and hit it hard once in a while with some uh, resistance exercise, whether it's body weight exercise, weights, any type of resistance, the X3 bar, oh my gosh, putting your body under that load and building that bone density and helping to uh, enhance your fat burning capabilities and get rid of that excess body fat. And finally, sprinting uh, the ultimate primal workout where you deliver maximum efforts between 10 and 20 seconds duration only and with 
plenty of rest in between those. Maybe you're going to get somewhere between four to 10 repetitions, depending on your fitness level. But once in a while, once in a, once in a week's time is plenty. Get out there and sprint, hopefully weight bearing or working up to weight bearing over time. The next objective is sleep rest and restoration and minimizing that artificial light and digital stimulation after dark, calm, dark, mellow, quiet evenings to wind down and facilitate a good night's sleep. And then up first thing in the morning, get moving, get some sun exposure. And as far as rest and restoration, being extremely disciplined with your use of technology, putting that mobile device away and engaging in real life and taking time to just reflect and get in nature and allow your thoughts to roam around without interference from one of the apps or whatever's in your face for most of the day. So uh, then we get down to stress management, figuring out ways that work for you to tone down that reactivity and that high stress negativity mode that we can easily operate in unless we take charge of the situation and build in systems and habits in our life that help us reduce stress. Thank you for listening. Take charge, take action. Go over to bradkerns.com to learn more. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.